Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I am your host, Therese Reese, and I will be reading a poem from my book of poetry entitled, A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. Thank you, thank you so much for your applause. It is greatly appreciated. I know that it has been a moment since you have all heard from me, and once again, my sincerest apologies. Happy 2024. Also, I recently celebrated my 50th birthday, and I took full advantage of that milestone in my life as I prepped before, and I have been enjoying after turning 50 years old. Not only that, I have experienced where my computer, the one that I do my podcast episodes on, I'm sure if you have listened to a lot of the episodes, you can recall when I started adding more equipment to my podcast. However, my computer has went to sleep on me and hasn't awakened to date. So that's another reason why it's been a while. Um, But today, what I just kind of leaked to do is to see if I would be able to do this recording on a tablet. And much to my surprise, even with me not even having a true technical background, I was successful. Thank you. The encouragement is very much needed at this time. Um, But I'm not going to stay before you long because I'm trying to keep in mind that the tablet needs to be charged and all that is needed in order for me to do this recording requires that I don't charge it at the same time because it only has so many in, you know, like input inlets or outlets, however you call it. Again, I'm not a technical guru. So, (laughs) I hope that you all are having the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. So, the poem that I'm going to be reading from today is from my book of poetry, entitled, A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. Thank you. And today's poem is entitled, I See You Staring. So here we go. I see you staring as she walks by. You pretend to have something in your eye. Sometimes you're bold and you keep on glaring while I am standing right next to you. Oh, how daring and disrespectful too. I try to pretend like this doesn't bother me, but the truth is, it does, and you can't even see it. The frown behind my smile, on the inside out, 
you lusting after other women has me in so much doubt of our relationship or your level of commitment. Are you all out or are you all in? I try to pretend like I don't see you staring, but I do. And it makes me feel so neglected when your eyes wander as they often do. Do you really want them? What should I do? I have heard many say, this is how men are. But a godly man, I do believe, trains himself not to stare. Maybe that's just all in my head. I choose to believe that lie because the truth hurts so badly. Nevertheless, I have to admit that I often see you lusting and staring at them. And again, I hope that you all have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And I know that we have been on the single series and we've been talking about different people that are in the Bible in order to gain further insight on how single people in the Bible operated. And because, again, I'm trying to be mindful of the actual charger and what I have going on behind the scenes, um, I'm going to try to keep this brief. But one thing that I recognize is that when I'm looking into single people in the Bible, one of the very first people that comes to mind or persons, however you want to say that, Um, is Paul. And so for those of you that are not aware, Paul was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, please keep in mind, I am not here to push on religion to you or anyone. But what I do is I love to read from the Bible. The Bible is one of my favorite books to read. And so a lot of what you may hear on my podcast, although this is not a Christian podcast, what you may hear on my podcast are a lot of scriptures because I am a believer. And so I try not to be religious whenever I'm sharing a lot of the things that I'm learning um, in the Bible. And so if I am, please just forgive me because that's not the intent. I just love reading the Bible. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian. I am simply someone who enjoys reading the word. That's it. That's all. Okay. Oh, no, it's not. I enjoy reading the word and I do my best to apply what it is that I read. Okay. I had to correct myself on that one. Now, that's it. That's all. (laughs) So... One of, if you know anything about any of the disciples in the Bible, um, Paul, again, was a disciple. And according to what he preached about, he actually preached about the gift of singleness. And he described the value of living content where God has placed him. He used himself as an example. Now, I have not delved deep, deep, deep into it, but what I'm going to do 
is read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as quickly as possible because a lot of you know that these recordings are timed and that also limits how long I can be online when it comes to recording these. So 1 Corinthians 7 and I love to read from the Message Bible. Now, even though this is the single series, a lot of y'all know that this is the Dear Future Hubby podcast, and my desire is to one day remarry. I have been married before. That marriage lasted for nearly seven years. However, I am divorced, and I have been divorced way longer than I was married. And deep down inside, I do desire to remarry. However, what I learned from that experience of being married is that first off, I didn't know everything about marriage. Second of all, I didn't know what it meant to have a covenant relationship. And before I go any further, let me explain to you what covenant even means. Um, And how you spell that is C like cat, O like Oscar, V like Victor, E like Eddie, N like Nancy, A like Apple, N like Nancy, T like Tom. And the actual definition, according to, it looks like it says, um, firmisrael.org. I believe that's where this is coming from. But it says, in a literal sense, a covenant means a binding agreement, a legal contract. It is a seal between, it says, two or more parties. But when we're talking about the context of marriage, in this regard, it would be between two parties when I'm talking about it. I know that there is um, different views that people may have when it comes to being married. They, Some people still to this day believe that you can have more than one spouse. And some people, even if the other parties are unaware, practice that. Um, and then you have where they are aware. Um, I believe you call that poly. However... The ones that are aware that they're involved in a marriage that consists of more than two people. That's what I was meaning. Okay, so that's the meaning of marriage. But what I am talking about is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. That's what I'm talking about pertaining to the scripture. Okay, so, and I believe that's what Paul was talking about. Now, a lot of people don't adhere to this because times have changed and it's weird for me to say the times have changed because in all actuality the bible says there is nothing new under the sun the same types of lifestyles that were that we think are new aren't really new they were happening years ago we may have a different name for them but a lot of the ways that people interact with one another has not changed it's just gained further insight, understanding, it ha- they have new definitions for it, new titles for it, but a lot of what it is that we go through, it's nothing new, which is why I love reading the Bible, is because it gives me the insight and the understanding and the blueprint of how to navigate through the nuances of life and even through the nuances of relationships. Now, typically what I do, do, I don't even do, but I'm gonna do it right now. Um, This is something that I don't often do. So if you noticed, the title was, I See You Staring. 
And one of the things that as I have been going through relationships um, that I recognized that I wasn't quite aware of or knowledgeable of is that people are going to be people. (laughs) I have that revelation. I have it now. Um, But back, I think I was just so naive that I didn't really get that. Um, that people are going to be people and everyone has a background. Everyone has their own set of trauma, sets of trauma. Everyone has their own experiences. Different people have gone through different things. So they have their own belief systems. Um, And so in order for me to be less self-righteous and in order for me not to be so judgmental, I actually utilize the Bible for that, to gain wisdom, to gain understanding, and then to help me pray. So in that particular point, it was talking about um, a person with a wondering eye. Now I was referencing, because I've, I've only dated men, so I was referencing an old boyfriend. Um, how, Nevertheless, it still, I believe, reigns true to this day. There are a lot of women Um, that are dating men or married to men or engaged to men where their eyes are their weaknesses. And so one of the things before I get started on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm trying to hope that this doesn't cut off on me. So I'm trying to be mindful of the time. I'm trying to be mindful of the energy on my laptop. I mean, sorry, my tablet, the laptop. I don't know. I got to take that to the shop. Okay, I digress. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but in the Bible, it talks about making a covenant with your eyes. And this was in Job 31. I need to just find... Okay, so... It just says Job 31. So, it I believe is verses 1 and... I'm going to take it all the way to, okay, I'm going to take it all the way to 12, 1 through 12. So it says, I make a covenant with, this is Job talking, Job 31, 1 through 12. I make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl, girl or woman, okay? <laughs> um, but you know, women are girls, let's just make that clear okay um however it says for what is man's lot from god above his heritage from the almighty on high is it not ruin for the rick for the wicked disaster for those who do wrong does he not see my ways and count my every step
and he pretty much was speaking a curse on himself that if he was ever found to be lusting after another woman aside from his wife that many men should have access to his wife pretty much and do the same thing that he did times however many men and so when I read that I read that a long time ago but it got ingrained in me to the point that I took it from the woman's perspective not to do the same so I didn't just apply it when it came to the relationships I was in hoping that the man I was dating would not do the whole wondering eye ordeal what I was hoping is that I too would not be found guilty of lusting after another man so a lot of reasons why I say that I'm wife material is because and I probably only said this a couple of times on this platform but one of the reasons why I know that I'm wife material is because even though I'm just now putting a voice to a lot of what I've read in the Bible I've really tried to apply it now do not misunderstand what I am saying I don't make a 100%. I am constantly having to repent from something. There have been times, the Bible even talks about not being, do not be angry in sin. There's been plenty of times, I can no longer count them on two hands, where I have been angry and sinned by saying something that I should not have said out of anger or by acting out because I was angry. So I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to enlighten you that we all have things that we can work on and so normally when I'm reading a poem I'm just reading a poem for my book but today I opted to elaborate on that point because I believe that there are a lot of relationships that are suffering in silence because maybe they're involved with the spouse that is not a believer who has a wandering eye maybe they're involved with the spouse who is a believer and this is how you know that i was naive even in writing this point because in my mind i was under the impression that if you are a godly man lust is not your temptation that's very naive to believe that because i'm sure that there are a lot of pastors preachers um, saints and believers that can tell you, oh, no, 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 no. I battle with lust daily. So I don't want to have you believe that even though I wrote that point, <laughs> and yes, that was a battle that I've gone through, but it, I, I'm more wise now to understand that there's a reason why this passage, Job 31, 1 through 12, is even in the Bible. It's because apparently at one point whether it was before Job got married or after he said I do he realized the importance of making covenant with his eyes not to look upon another woman with lust and even though he was a married man I believe that when we are preparing to be married that these are habits that we should adopt so that way, once we get married, it's already the norm for us. It's nothing that we have to relearn or try to learn because it's something we've been practicing already. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up is because I understand that we're not going to always make a 100 on a lot of things, 
but I also understand that it's important to get some of these details. It's really important um, in order for us to be better people, in order for us to be a better person. So um, I said all that to say, now I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to do it quickly, try to anyway, before I run out of time. (laughs) And this is out of the Message Bible. So it looks like it's a lot, y'all. So it is 1 through 40. It is 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 40. Here we go. And the title is To Be Married, To Be Single. Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. This is Paul talking. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband, Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it. And if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we had, when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways, but celibacy is not for everyone and more than marriage is any more than marriage is god gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others notice how he said it's a gift either way it goes whether you are married or you are single it is a gift and a lot of us forget that I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them, as it has been for me. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should be all, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. And if you are married, stay married. This is the master's command, not mine. If a wife should leave her husband, she must either remain single or else come back and make things right with him. And a husband has no right to get rid of his wife. For the rest of you who are in mixed marriages, Christian married to non-Christian, we have no explicit command from the master. So this is what you must do. This is him speaking out of his opinion, because as he stated, We have no explicit command from the master. 
He said, so this is what you must do. If you are a man with a wife who is not a believer, but who still wants to live with you, hold on to her. If you are a woman with a husband who is not a believer, but he wants to live with you, hold on to him. The unbelieving husband shares to an extent in the holiness of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is likewise touched by the holiness of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be left out. As it is, they also are included in the spiritual purposes of God. So this is good information to be aware of because a lot of times we do our own thing. <laughs> yeah, that it is what it is. But it's good to see that this is in the Bible. On the other hand, in my opinion, on the other hand, if the unbelieving spouse walks out, you've got to let him or her go. You don't have to hold on desperately. God has called us to make the best of it as peacefully as we can. You never know, wife. The way you handled this might bring your husband not only back to you, but to God. You never know, husband. The way you handled this might bring your wife not only back to you, but to God. And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Don't think. I'm being harder on you than on the others. I give this same counsel in all churches. Were you Jewish at the time God called you? Don't try to remove evidence. Were you non-Jewish at the time of your call? Don't become a Jew. Being Jewish, Jewish isn't the point. The really important thing is obeying God's call, following his commands. Stay where you were when God called your name. Were you a slave? Slavery is no roadblock to obeying and believing. I don't mean you're stuck and can't it I don't mean you're stuck and can't leave. If you have a chance at freedom, go ahead and take it. I'm simply trying to point out that under your new master, you're going to experience a marvelous freedom you would never have dreamed of. On the other hand, if you were free when Christ called you, you'll experience a delightful enslavement to God you would never have dreamed of. All of you, slave or free both, were once held hostage in a sinful society. Then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom. So please don't, out of old habit, slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you. Friends, stay where you were called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with him at your side. The master did not give explicit direction regarding virgins, but as one but as one much experience in the mercy of the master and loyal to him all the way, you can trust my counsel. Because of the current pressures on us from all sides, I think it would probably be best to stay just as you are. He's telling virgins to stay virgins. Are you married? Stay married. He's telling married people to stay married. Are you unmarried? Don't get married. He's telling single people to stay single. But there's certainly no sin in getting married, whether you're a virgin or not. All I am saying is that when you marry, you take on additional stress in an already, in, in already stressful time. And I want to spare you if possible. I do not want to point out, friends, 
I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste. So don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever. Even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. This world, as you see it, is fading away. Okay, y'all, before this dies on me. Um, verse 40, you're going to have to read the in-between for yourself. <laughs> but uh, 36 through 40, it says, If a man has a woman friend to whom he is loyal but never intended to marry, having decided to serve God as a single, and then changes his mind, deciding he should marry her, he should go ahead and marry. It's no sin. It's not even a step down from celibacy, as some say. On the other hand, if a man is comfortable in his decision for a single life in service to God and it's entirely his own conviction and not imposed on him by others, he ought to stick with it. Marriage is spiritually and morally right and not inferior to singleness in any way. Although, as I indicated earlier, because of the times we live in, I do have pastoral reasons for encouraging singleness. A wife must stay with her husband as long as she lives. If he dies, she is, to free, is free to marry anyone she chooses. She will, of course, want to marry a believer in having the blessing of the master. By now, you know that I think she'll be better off staying single. The master, in my opinion, thinks so, too. Okay, this is going to conclude my episode on today. Y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this podcast. But please, please, please do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself because there is only one you.